last night I encouraged them to think through Acts chapter three that we're going to be doing here today. So, um, and they had some really good comments. So Acts chapter three and beginning in verse one um, says this, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And I'm going to do what I did last night. I'm just going to pause every once in a while and make comments. Um, now, what I did last night that I would love to do here, but I don't think we would make much progress is I said, if you have a comment or a question or, um, or something that's an application, just unmute and talk. And, uh, and they did. And that was, it was so cool. Um, it was just like being in the living room with them. But um, I just want us to be reminded that this is uh, 3 p.m. There were a couple of temple meetings, one at 9 a.m., I believe it was, and one at 3 p.m. on a daily basis in Jerusalem. Um, and this was kind of routine. I mean, this this was something that uh, Peter and John did on a regular basis, uh, probably had been doing this since age 12. So um, this was not unfamiliar to them, um, just like, and I just want to paint a picture of routine. And I don't know if, if this matches you or not, but um, if, you're, if you go to the same church the same way every Sunday and you know you maybe you leave the house at the same time and you drive by the same stores or the same potholes in the road and maybe you drive in and you park in the same spot parking place of the church and you sit in the same pew, um, maybe you've even carved your initials you know into the hymn book or so I don't know what what would be routine for you, but this was routine for Peter and John. Um, and then verse two says, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful to ask alms from those who enter the te temple, who seeking Peter and John about to go into the temp temp temple asked for alms. And um, it appears and I'm reading into it a little bit here, but it appears that both of these things are happening simultaneously, that Peter and John are entering the temple. At the same time, this lame man is being delivered to his place uh, where he's um, he's going to be begging. Um, and somehow this caught the eye of Peter and John. And uh, I don't know if you've ever had this happen. Uh, periodically, this happens to where you're just in a normal situation, but something's different. And um, uh, several times recently, I've been in a, on an airplane flight and I look out, I always get a window seat. Um, there's a reason for that, but uh, um, I look out the window and there's another airplane out there. You know, there's, a, there's a, either an airplane that's flying at the exact same speed, just, you know, a few thousand feet away or, and you can see it, you can wave, you know, there's, um, or there's another airplane coming the exact opposite direction. And uh, and I don't know if that's just the increase of air travel or, but uh, I've seen it a lot more recently than other times, but I'll tell you what, it really catches your eye. Okay. You're, you're looking at the clouds or you're looking at the, you know, whatever. And then there's another plane. Um, I just wonder if this is something similar to what's going on with Peter and John going through routine. In fact, this was probably routine for the beggar also, uh, because we're told from, infancy he had been and we we know from a later text that he was over 40 
So the routine of him being at the temple begging was routine for him. And uh, so maybe, maybe when Peter and John saw him, he saw them, and maybe they even caught each other's eyes. I don't, I don't know. But uh, we have this, um, this walking together, um, and I, I just have to also wonder if when Peter and John saw this lame man, if they're thinking, hmm, we're walking and he's not. Um, we have a lot on our calendar. He doesn't. Maybe they're thinking we have hope because of Christ. He's hopeless. Um, but there is a difference between two worlds going on here that are viewing each other, um, even in their routines. And uh, really, this is all the beggar could do. But um, there's a whole lot more that Peter and John can do. So um, verse four. And before I read verse four, I just want to comment that um, something happens in Peter and John. And I don't I don't know exactly how to describe it, but they break out of their routine. Something intersects their heart because even though they are going in the routine and the and the beggar is in his routine, um, verse four says, and Peter fastening his eyes upon him with John said, look on us. So have they seen this beggar before? Probably. Has the beggar seen them before? Probably. But something's different. And uh, the Greek word here for fastening his eyes means to look straight. It means to, with intensity, take a gaze with, with intensity, to stare at with intense purpose. Um, and I had to think about what, what changed? Why, why, what caused them at this point to stop and talk to the beggar? When that hadn't happened before. And I'm wondering, and maybe you could put yourself in the context here, it wasn't too long ago that Jesus Christ ascended into heaven. I mean, this is Acts 3. So it wasn't very long ago. It wasn't very long ago that the Holy Spirit came to indwell believers. This is all brand new. Um, I'm, it, had, it wasn't very long ago that 3,000 people trusted Christ as Savior. So could it be that now being filled with the Holy Spirit, now being aware of many people coming to Christ, they're thinking, we have a job to do. This is no more routine. This person has made eye contact with us. We're going to go, we're going to go make a difference in his life. And uh, so verse five, by the way, which is why we meet for prayer. <laughs> because people have needs that only Jesus Christ can meet, and maybe we're the bridge for that. And um, we're praying that hopeless people find Christ, even if, even, and 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 we are the vessels. We are the we are the conduits of that. That's why we're praying. Verse five says, "So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something." from them so he thought his need would be solved by something temporal but really he needed something far beyond human ability and our culture just wants us to work harder or be better or be more religious and 
and uh, really, we know that God is the only answer. And so we pray. We pray that a culture that's fixed on temporal things would be driven to the eternal. It's why we pray. And um, even bringing hope to hopeless people. Then uh, verse six says, then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. So uh, if you are prone to inquiry, as far as the text goes, your mind is going to bring you to what was it that Peter had that he could give away? That, um, but what I do have, I give you. And um, Peter had knowledge of who Jesus is. Peter had seen Jesus perform miracles. Now, he had even heard probably the Great Commission. We call it the Great Commission there at the end of the book of Matthew. He had heard make disciples of all nations. All these things are going through Peter's heart and head. Um, he knew that even Jesus had paid attention to him. Why not now use his life to pay attention to others? But he also knew that he had the answer to hopelessness. And that is the person and work of Jesus Christ. So that which I have... I give to you. And uh, he knew he's not going to do this in his own name. He's doing it in the authority and the person and the, the merit of Jesus and the name of Jesus. Really, that's why we're praying. And um, But I want to tie something to what was said yesterday in this text. This, is, this text came to mind yesterday when Will Lonis was speaking about, don't forget your children. Don't give up on praying for your children. And um, I'm wondering if Jesus would have seen this lame man as Jesus spent time in the temple. Would Jesus have passed by this lame man? And why, why didn't Jesus heal this lame man? Why was it now Peter and John healing this lame man? And uh, I don't want to obviously put words in the text or even apply something that shouldn't be applied, but I'm wondering if maybe Jesus did see this lame man, but thought, your time's coming. Peter and John are going to come by here not too long, you know, not too long, and they'll they'll take care of you. And um, but Jesus being omniscient and um, Jesus being sovereign, it just wasn't the right time. And uh, I, I find comfort in that. I find comfort in knowing that even though I have things that I want Jesus to do, He knows what's best, and He may even have others that have a great blessing in participating with his plan that would be robbed of that blessing if Jesus did, just did it. And uh, so even applying that to the prodigal, even applying that to those that we pray for, even applying that to revival, we want it now. Jesus knows best. And um, so verse seven says, he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Now, um, I'm not going to make more comments here because we're out of time, but I'll just finish by reading verses 9 through 11. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. I think that's significant that everybody was watching. 
they were seeing what Jesus was doing in this person's life. Then they knew that it was not he who sat begging. Uh, they, uh, then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement. Okay, I love that. Just filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the ports that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering or greatly amazed. So what a transition from, we'll call it hopelessness to hallelujah. I mean, this is a huge change in this man's life. Only Jesus could bring that change, but he used Peter and John. And may God use our praying to bring hopeless people to hallelujah and uh, to where even the watching culture would say, wow, look what God is doing. Look at this. Behold, he is God. And um, we, would, we would love to have that happen. And we can pray for that to happen. Praying for revival, praying for awakening, hopelessness to hallelujah in people's lives. I'm going to turn the recording off and then we'll go to prayer. And um, I think we've left a good good bit of time for prayer um, here. Um, I want to make one more comment just because I um, there there's something in this text. Just this is not on the recording. This is just for us. And it may even cause confusion if it were on the, on the recording. So, so G Peter took his right hand and then lifted him up. It almost appears in the text, it talks about embracing. The, the Greek has to do with embracing him. In the culture, in the Jewish culture, that was, that was not proper. You didn't touch a beggar because they were probably, the culture would say they were born in sin and they would defile you if you touched the beggar. And, uh, and Peter steps outside of the box of culture and embraces this man, helps him up. And um, I think what we're doing at our prayer time is we're actually embracing the culture and not, not, not endorsing sinfulness, obviously, but it's hard work, this praying business that we're doing. It's hard work. It's discipline. And really, we're, we're getting down into the trenches with the lost and saying, let us help you to Christ. And uh, may it be that we are used by God, even in difficult situations, to embrace sinners and uh, see them come to Christ.